Welcome, and thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu. Our Alpha sermon series continues today. The question posed is, does God still heal today? We have a special guest speaker for this message. Here's First Pres Senior Pastor Dan Chun to introduce him. Well, as Jenny said, it's been a wonderful uh, last two weeks as we had the youth and the adults here for the hymn conference. It's wonderful to see it filled with representatives from about 456 churches and organizations, um, people beaming in from uh, 12 countries and 36 states. So it was a wonderful uh, time to be together. And uh, fortunately, if you signed up, you can see a lot of the talks online up to 30 days. And we are grateful today that we have one of the speakers with us. And uh, I want to introduce him to you now, Dr. Nicholas Pierce from Chicago. So he can tell us all about uh, pizza and hot dogs and... And you, you like spicy marinara. I uh, do. Not yeah. that clam stuff. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, let me tell you a little bit. Here, come on in uh, more into the light here. Uh, let me tell you um, a bit more about him. He, he has so many degrees. It's like longer than the book of lists in the Bible. But uh, it's, uh, I mean, he has a couple degrees from, the, uh, from Northwestern University in the Kellogg School, the School of Business, which is one of the top leadership management uh, schools in, in the nation. And then he has a degree from Fuller Seminary, uh, where he and I serve as trustees at Fuller Seminary. Um, and then in addition, he has a bachelor's from MIT in chemical engineering uh, with an emphasis in religious studies through Harvard. True story. Very, very strange guy up here. Just and, like, like the pastor who went to film school. Right. And, <laughs> good one. Good one. Good one. Um, and um, in addition to all this, he is the assistant pastor of the Apostolic Church of God in Southside Chicago. And so he's, and he's a professor, a clinical professor uh, at um, Northwestern School uh, of Business at Kellogg. So he has all these hats he's wearing uh, on this one head. One. Yeah. And uh, now, hey, everybody, and you online, um, he, he's from sh- Chicago, and, um, and so... Thank you. Yeah. One person there. Who is that? Is that Sam? Yeah, okay. So, um, and in, in his um, cultural context, he is used to people talking to him, with him, during a sermon, okay? You get it? So, you, you talk. You say, amen. You, you say, uh, preach it. Uh, that's right, Lord. But don't say what you say when I'm preaching, like, how long, oh, Lord? Or, <laughs> or help them, Lord, help them. No, n- none of that. Just, just be really courteous and participate and uh, make them feel part of the family of First Press. Everybody, Dr. Nicholas Pierce, welcome him. <laughs> Thank you. If you love Jesus this morning, clap your hands and give God praise all over this church. What a mighty God we serve. What... What a wonderful day it is to be in the house of the Lord here in the physical house. Those who are worshiping in the e-sanctuary online, we give God praise for this another day that the Lord has made in which we do rejoice and we are indeed glad. And I must rush and express my gratitude to your 
senior pastor who was working on his comedy skills, but is an amazing, amazing man of God. Uh, I want to celebrate and invite you to join me in celebrating the Reverend Dr. Dan Chun. We salute you. We salute you. And a percentage of today's offering will go toward his comedy school. Uh, I'm completely kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, all of today's tithes and offerings will go to the work of the ministry, but I am indeed grateful to God for the gift of your pastor. Uh, you should know uh, that Dr. Chun is not just important to you all here at FPC. He has made a tremendous impact across the length and breadth of the United States and around the world, and oftentimes it can become easy to take a long-tenured pastor who serves well for granted. Uh, but I want to encourage you to recognize that good leadership is not to be taken for granted. Good pastors are a gift from the Lord. And so I say with all sincerity, God bless you and thank God for you. And certainly to the entire staff of pastors and leaders here, we greet all of you in the only name that counts. And that's the precious and powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Lord. I want to draw your attention now to the book of Acts chapter number four. I will read in your hearing just a few verses of scripture for this morning. Acts chapter four, I'll be reading from the Christian Standard Bible. Hear the word of the Lord, beginning in verse number eight. Then Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit and said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today about a good deed done to a disabled man, by what means he was healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified and whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing here before you healthy. This Jesus is the stone rejected by you builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. The church say amen. For the time that we have to share together in this conversation today, I would like to speak from the subject, God still heals. God still heals. Would you pray with me? Eternal God, we bow our heads before you with thanksgiving in our hearts and praise on our lips for your goodness and for your kindness. Even on difficult days, you are good and your mercy endures forever. Now we pray that as we approach your word, that you will give us your word. Anoint this preacher. Better yet, be the preacher, we pray. Speak to our hearts. Bless this waiting congregation with ears to hear and hearts to receive your word. We pray that you'll be glorified in this time, that you will have your way, do what only you can do, and we won't take any credit but we promise to give you the praise, the honor, and the glory that you alone deserve. It's in Jesus' name. People of God, say amen. amen. This morning, we gather in the midst of this church-wide alpha series. 
today's question focuses on whether healing is still for today, whether God still heals today. And many of us are of the belief that God's miraculous and divine healing is relegated to the pages of Holy Writ, that uh, what these fancy theologians call cessationism, right, that, that these sorts of miraculous signs are best kept in the Scriptures because they had particular meaning when we saw them exercised by those who walked with Jesus or by Jesus himself. And so we say that these signs and these sorts of miracles were only for that day. And we reason to ourselves how it's unreasonable that God would heal today. We, we get caught on science. Um, we, we think that uh, there is some sort of mutual exclusivity between God and science, between divine intervention and human ingenuity, between the miraculous and the mundane. But I want to encourage us to recognize that miracles are at the heart of our faith. If Christ is not God incarnate and did not rise from the grave, our faith would be in vain. The reason we're here today is because of the miraculous. And while we may not recognize it, I believe there are a few of us around the house who can testify to the fact that if it had not been for the Lord who was on your side, you'd be dead, you would have lost your mind, you would not be alive today. Is there anybody who has that testimony? You know in your heart that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all you can ask or think because you can look at yourself in the mirror. You recognize that since Jesus came into your heart that there are things you do now that you never would have done before. And the things you used to do, you don't do anymore. The things you used to say, you don't say anymore. Because the Holy Spirit has taken over and taken up residence in your life and there's been a transformation, a wonderful change that only God could do. And when we think about God's track record, when we think about the receipts that God has, the credits that God has to God's own name, we recognize that it's actually more reasonable to believe that God is still able to do the miraculous than it is reasonable for us to think that God was able 2,000 years ago, but God has just decided to sit on the sidelines and tie his hands behind his back and just hope for the best. It's more reasonable to believe that a God who has all power, a God who is all loving, a God who manifests himself as Jehovah Rapha, the Lord God, our healer, is still in the healing business. It's more reasonable for us. But the reality is that some of us are Christian atheists. We believe in God, but we live as though God doesn't exist. 
Some of us do this because we can't wrap our minds around really believing God. We believe in God. We believe that God exists in a way, but we don't really take God at his word. We don't truly believe God. Some of us don't believe God because we just don't want to. We are committed to the proposition that there really isn't a God. I just subscribe to a set of beliefs and that's fine for me. Others of us don't really believe God because we're trying to protect ourselves emotionally. Some of us don't want to believe that God can still heal because we're sick or because our loved ones are sick. And we say, well, if God heals some, why not all? Well, I've been sick. I've been praying for something, and I haven't seen God come through. And so I tell myself that God can't heal to protect my emotion, to help myself through the disappointment, because when I have high expectations and those expectations are not met, then I get disappointed. And that disappointment turns to discouragement, and that discouragement gives way to depression. And to get out of my own rut of depression, I have to convince myself that the hope I had was not really hope. And so we rationalize our way into thinking that God can't heal. We don't want to get disappointed. And some of us are super holy, and we say, you know, the reason why God can't heal anymore is because, really, we don't want God to get embarrassed. We don't want to say that God is able to heal, and then God does not heal somebody. We go to the hospital and we visit a loved one. Pastor goes to the hospital and visits a dear saint of God and prays that God would heal and then the person is called home to be with the Lord, what then do you do with your faith in a God who can heal but perhaps has not healed as you desired? Then you go reprogramming your theology and you tell yourself, well, to protect God's reputation, I'm just going to go ahead and say God can't do it. That's just not what God does. I mean, God could do it, but God just chooses not to do it. And so we get to this place where we think that what God did back then, God cannot do right now. But I think we're in a moment in the contemporary church where we have to reckon with the fact that we're seeing significant decline in many corners of the church in the United States. And in large measure, I believe that is because the church has experienced a power outage. Many of us are more comfortable declaring the scriptures than believing them. And here we are in a moment in time where we must match our declaration with demonstration. God desires to do the miraculous in our midst if only we would trust God to do it. And we see 
the importance of the demonstration of the spirit and the power of God in Acts chapter number three. It's a story that is very familiar to many of us, but for others, it may be a little bit new. There's this story after the day of Pentecost when the Spirit of God descended upon the people in the upper room and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. We see that Peter and John made their way up to the temple for the hour of prayer. It was about three o'clock in the afternoon. Now, Peter and John, good, devout Jewish men who had been following Jesus and were filled with the Holy Spirit, they were spiritual men and they still went to the temple to pray. I need to pause here and talk to someone who thinks that they are so spiritual that they don't need to come to church to worship God. Spiritual, but not religious, they say. Let me encourage you. You can be full of the Spirit of God and still give God the sacrifice of praise and the sacrifice of worship. Don't miss me. I'm not suggesting that if you don't come into the physical building that you're somehow a second-class Christian. It's not what I'm saying. Because there are many of us who are worshiping in the e-church, who are worshiping in spirit and in truth. And some of us who got in our cars and drove onto the parking lot and are not really here mentally. So whether you come into the physical building or you worship in the e-church, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm saying is there ought to be a sanctified, set-apart time that you honor God in prayer and in worship. Whether you're in the building, whether you're online, sanctify the time. Don't, don't go and, and eat eggs and rice while you're sitting there in front of the screen. Sanctify the time so that you can open your mouth and give God glory. Yeah. Peter and John are going up to the temple for the time of prayer three o'clock in the afternoon, and they encountered a man who was lame from birth. This man was 40-something years old, and they encountered this man who was carried to the gate of the temple every day to beg. Every day. And that's a great spot to beg. I mean, people who are going in the temple to pray who may be a little bit superstitious and are not sure whether God is going to be inclined to answer their prayer might think dropping a couple little coins in the tin cup might incline God to be a little bit more favorable to their request. So this, this guy had a great setup. The challenge is he was disabled. And the disability he had made him unable to walk. His his ankle and his heel bones were not connected quite right. They weren't in alignment. And so he did not have the strength to stand on his own. And before we go making ourselves Peter and John in this story, going to the temple as great devout people of God, let's recognize that some of us are that disabled man. We don't have the strength to stand on our own. The things we would do, we can't do. The things we don't want to do, we find ourselves doing. We have a case of the can't help it. You don't have the strength to stand on your own. You cannot hold yourself together. Maybe it's physically. Maybe it's 
psychologically, maybe it's financially, you are dependent in some way, shape, or form. But it was interesting in this particular society that this man's physical disability also had economic implications and social implications too, much as is the case in our society. In many cases, as we think about those who are marginalized, we often think about the orphan, we think about the widow, we think about persons of color, we think about people who are socioeconomically disadvantaged, and we fail to recognize the way in which our society has often trampled over those with disabilities. In fact, as we rush back to what we hope is some version of normal, we must recognize in our rush to discard our masks that the individuals who are getting left behind and getting left out socially are persons who are immunocompromised. Persons who don't have the same ability to just unmask and be free and, and go, quote, back to normal. We, we don't recognize that sometimes having a disability is not just a physical or medical issue. There are social and economic consequences. But in their society, there were also spiritual consequences. Because the Levitical law said in Levit Leviticus chapter 21 that this man could not even enter the sanctuary because he defiled the sanctuary. And so this man has a need that literally disqualifies him from coming to church. My God. If we are going to be the church, we can't stand with signs up telling people that they can't come. If we're going to be the church, we can't just take the executive, we can't just take the family man, we can't just take the grandmother who knits and crochets, we can't just take the respectable taxpayer, we have to take the pimp and the prostitute. We have to take the homeless, and the hungry. We have to be open to the rapist and the murderer because if you can't come into a hospital and get healed, where else can you go? The church is not a country club, even though I know... This is my first time <laughs> preaching to a church that's in a real country club. <laughs> this is historic. But when you took over the grounds, you transformed their use. And the church was never the grounds. The church is the precious people of God. We're not called to be a country club to be chaplains to the dying, we are called to be an army going out on assignment for our king. And so we recognize then that the church cannot be an exclusive club. The church of Jesus Christ must be a place where the hurting can be healed. If we can't accept those who have been crippled by their various conditions, we are not the church. And truth be told, if we had a sign on the church saying, this is a perfect church, 
only the perfect can come, let me tell you who'd be here today. Not me. And not your neighbor either. I know you'd be here. (laughs) But the rest of us wouldn't be here. Because the rest of us, we had a condition called sin. You know, we were sinking deep in sin. Far from the peaceful shore. Very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard our despairing cry and from the waters lifted us. Now we are safe. Now we are the children of God. And it does not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. We all had a condition. We all had a disqualifier. But it was amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Is there anybody in the building who can thank God for amazing grace? It's amazing grace that did the job. It was amazing grace that did the job. And so as I rush on in this text, we must recognize, brothers and sisters, that this man had a condition that kept him out. But today, somebody shout today. Somebody shout today. Today is the day that this man's life is going to change. He saw Peter and John about to enter the temple. And as people who are in this state often do, he was a professional at what he did. He learned the ropes. He figured out what to look for in people who might be more inclined to give. Those who are walking down the street like they can't see them, just you know, looking at their phone, looking up in the sky, not going to bother with them. Looking at people who might be inclined to give. And so we see Peter and John about to enter the temple. They're looking in his direction. They're like, well, maybe eye contact means they're going to give. So he asks for money, asks for alms, what he'd done day in and day out. Peter and John looked straight at the man and said, look at us. The man sitting there, he looks up to them, hoping that today is going to be his day. That this is the day that he is going to be really, really blessed with a lot and a lot and a lot of money. But Peter said, I don't have silver or gold, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. This is really interesting because one reason that we see God healing in the scriptures is to demonstrate God's love and compassion so that you know you have been noticed that there is not a hair on your head that has not been numbered, even the ones that aren't there anymore. (laughs) They've been numbered. That every tear you've cried has been bottled. That every worry in your heart 
has been known. That every sickness in your body has been cataloged and can be healed. The loving kindness and the compassion and the faithfulness of God we see in this text. Peter and John, look. And I need to talk to someone who feels alone, lonely, unnoticed, overlooked. No one knows who you are. God doesn't seem to care about you. Let me encourage you. God sees you. God cares about you. God loves you. God is intimately concerned about you. And this might be the day that God lavishes his love on you in a way that you can feel, not just know. Peter and John demonstrate God's love and compassion in this moment. Then they say, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. It's said that uh, the great Thomas Aquinas was once in a conversation with the Pope. I think it was Innocent II who was Pope at that time. And the Pope was counting out a large sum of money. And the Pope said, see, Thomas, um, the church can no longer say silver and gold have we none. Look at all this money we have. The Catholic Church is one of the wealthiest landowners in the world. But Thomas says to the Pope, true, we may not be able to say silver and gold have we none, but we also can't say take up your bed and walk because he recognized that there was a power outage in the church, that they had lost their way. They thought that church was about being charitable, not about being transformational. And I came through all these thousands of miles to tell you, First Prez, that there is still power to transform that comes through the name of Jesus. There is power when you call on the name of Jesus. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run in and they are safe. When you call on the name of Jesus, the name of Jesus, the name of Jesus. When you call that name, something happens when you call that name. The name of Jesus soothes our doubts and calms our fears. Jesus, Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, the first and the last. Jesus the lion of the tribe of Judah, Jesus, the good shepherd and great high priest, Jesus, the bishop of our souls, Jesus, the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star, Jesus, son of God, and God the Son, when you call on the name of the Lord, healing is available. Healing is available. 
And if we want some of our young people to start coming back to church, maybe we ought to give them not just a God they can learn about, but a God they can experience. God doesn't just want our heads to be filled with facts and filled with Bible verses that we don't believe. There will be no Bible jeopardy when we arrive to the gates of heaven. There will be no questionnaire about whether you have memorized Psalm 23 or Psalm 27 or whether you know the books of the Bible backwards and forwards. Did you believe? Did you believe on the name of Jesus? And so we see that this powerful name, hallelujah, this strong name, this saving name is uttered, and it is by the power of Jesus, not just saying the name like it's abracadabra, it's not some sort of magic incantation. The name here is not just J-E-S-U-S. The name is the character of God, the power of God, the authority of God. When you call on God's name, God shows up. And so the Bible lets us know that Peter reaches out with his right hand and picks the man up. And the Bible says immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength. And he jumped up and walked into the temple with them. And he walked, leapt, and praised God. He praised God. He gave God glory because he knew that what had just happened to him. Nobody could have done it but God. After 40 years of hoping that maybe something could happen, you probably let go of hope because hope deferred makes the heart sick. But this man suddenly, suddenly, by the power of Jesus, was healed. And so we find in the text that I read to you, in Acts chapter 4, that this man's healing created a problem. Because all those who are trying to discredit Jesus can't discredit the fact this man was healed in his name. We all know Junebug. Junebug was sitting over there for 40 years. We carried them a couple times. We dropped a couple coins. We saw Junebug attempt to walk, and he stumbled and fell, and we laughed at Junebug. But now Junebug is leaping. Now Junebug is praising God. We can't discredit this. We can't discredit the fact that this Jesus must have power. If Jesus is just about creeds, we can quibble over the creeds, but when they're deeds, we can't quibble over the deeds. And so we see these men, Peter and John, get called in to the principal's office. Peter and John 
getting argued with by the religious establishment because when Jesus does what Jesus does, it shakes up those who want to stay in power and in control. And so they say, y'all can't do this kind of stuff anymore. Y'all can't preach in his name. Y'all can't teach in his name. Peter said, rulers of the people, holy elders, if we're being examined today about a good deed done to a disabled man, by what means he was healed, let it be known to all of y'all that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, that Jesus is the one by whose name and by whose power this man is standing before you whole, standing before you healthy. This Jesus, the stone that the builders rejected, is now the chief cornerstone. And I'm getting ready to close, but I want to just tell you that in addition to showing God's compassion and God's mercy, and in addition to showing that there is indeed power in the name of Jesus, the third and final reason that God still heals is because God wants to draw people to himself and use your life as a billboard for his goodness. And we see here in this text that as this man was healed, people started to believe in Jesus Christ. And Peter says to them, there is not salvation in any other. There's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It is only in the name of Jesus. And so if you want God to use your life to draw souls to be saved, if you want God to use your life to transform the nations, if you want God to use your life for his own glory, then you might just want to slip up your hands and say, Lord, heal me. Heal me and I will be healed. When you heal me, you just might heal somebody else too. Soul, mind, and body. Pastor Dan, I want to invite you to come back up and lead us forward as we consider this text. Thank you. Praise God. As Pastor Pierce mentioned, Dr. Pierce mentioned, he used the word today in this scripture. Today, there will be healing. Today. And so we're going to have a a moment now, some ministry time, where we're going to pray for healing. And uh, we're going to invite the Holy Spirit to come in. And then we're going to have an opportunity to pray for one another. And I might mention a few things. So let's just take a moment of silence and ask God to fill the room with his healing power, raise our level of faith, and that we might be vulnerable with our needs right now. As I often do on Christmas and an Easter 
or even in the last Alpha Day Away where 200 of us were there. Um, I'm going to lead us in a mass healing prayer. But I'm also going to list certain things that I think the Lord wants to be healed specifically today. I remember at the Alpha Healing Day, or Alpha Day Away, rather, when we got into the end and we did a healing prayer together, I remember one of our young adults came in on crutches. And during the prayer, she told me her ankle popped. And then she said suddenly she could feel strength and she no longer needed crutches. And she came up and shared that she was healed right then. So the Lord is active and alive. Before I do the mass healing prayer, um, and I could be wrong, uh, and as Mike Pilabachi says, if I'm wrong, nobody dies, but um, there may be someone here who has um, a neck pain. And if that is you, um, I'm going to ask you to be very bold and courageous in faith and that you might stand up right now and that we could pray for you. Anyone here with a neck pain? Second, if there's somebody here with pain in the right shoulder, uh, if that's you, if you could please stand, and we would love to pray for you. And if there are people near the ones who are standing, if you could um, ask their permission to lay a hand on them or just pray from afar, um, there's two over here, three over there, and three over here. If people around them could just stand near them and pray for them, ask permission if you can put a hand on or not. Wonderful, great. And then just one more. If by chance you are um, have an issue with eczema, if you wouldn't mind standing, and we would love to pray for you. All right, I'm going to lead us in a healing prayer, and those who are standing near those persons, pray specifically for what they stood up for, and uh, please join me in a prayer. Come, Holy Spirit, come. We ask you to fill the room. Fill us with your love and your healing power. And Lord, if there are other people here with other physical ailments, if they might put a hand on or near that area right now. And if there are others in the room who have an emotional issue, that they might put their hand their hands on their heart. Lord, we pray for everyone here. We pray for your healing power now to flow through their bodies like a gentle stream, a gentle waterfall from the top of their heads, through their bodies, to the bottom of their feet, rinsing them and cleansing them of impurities. Lord, for those who are battling cancer, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, bodies be healed. For those who have a neck pain or a shoulder pain, 
I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, bodies be healed. For those who are battling eczema or maybe some other kind of rash, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, bodies be healed. And for all the others who are here in the room or maybe online, some are writing down some symptoms. Lord, you know what's going on in our hearts, in our bodies. And so I pray a mass healing prayer now. Lord, if there be people here who have a nerve atrophy disease, if there are people here with ankles or knees or hip issues, for heart issues, for breathing issues, for hearing issues, for those who might be suffering from back pain, I pray that the wisdom and the warmth of the love of the Holy Spirit will go right to those areas. And in the name of Jesus Christ, bodies be healed. And then for those who are facing some emotional challenges, perhaps there's an issue of having difficulty forgiving someone or receiving forgiveness, a difficulty of loving someone or loving oneself. For those who are feeling a tremendous burden of stress and anxiety, nervousness, in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray that your Holy Spirit is ministering to them right now, lifting part of that burden giving them that incredible supernatural peace to give a sense of tranquility and that you are with them. If there needs to be restoration in relationships, that you might give them the wisdom of how to do that and the tenacity and the courage to keep on keeping on. And for all, whatever the issue may be, may we lay that issue at the feet of you, Lord, for you are our Lord and Savior and friend. And as we lay that before you, may we trust you that you will take care of that and there will be light brought in in moments of darkness. And give us the discipline after we've given it over to you and laid it at your feet that we don't just pick it up and walk out of your throne room with it, to leave it with you and that you're going to care for our loved ones and our friends and our jobs or lack of jobs. We want to leave it in your hands. Thank you, Lord, that you are God we can talk to at any time whether we're sitting at the city gates or sitting at home or in this sanctuary. You are the King of Kings, and as the worship team comes up, we want to close this time in praising you and worshiping you 
and thanking you for you're the king of glory. And we stand amazed about you. We pray this in Christ's name, the one who is the healer, the one who heals today, the one whom we leave our worries and troubles and needs and concerns in your hands. And may we not take them back. In Christ's name, amen. Well, it's been a great time worshiping worshiping with you all. Great to see you back here at the sanctuary and you online. We are so grateful. If you're new here, um, we have uh, free espresso on us. So, And for everyone, there's espresso. So feel free to drop by at our Hebrews uh, coffee espresso bar. If you have some other prayer concerns and you would love to pray with someone, uh, the prayer team will meet back in uh, just outside those glass doors at a place of Um, peace and tranquility as you look at the forest, but also confidentiality. And they would love to pray with you, whether it's emotional, spiritual, or physical. And now receive this uh, benediction, this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and its countenance be upon you. And may you know deep in your heart the wonderful love and healing power of God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. In Christ's name, amen. God bless you all. God bless you online. Ahui ho, see you next week. I'll see you later. Bye-bye, everybody. The answer was always yes. God does still heal today. Instead of letting this subject divide, we can use it to unite all Christians. Like Dr. Pierce said, we can quibble over the creeds, but we cannot quibble over the deeds. Thanks to Dr. Nicholas Pierce for his message today. If you want to catch up on or re-listen to previous services, you can find past sermons on our websites, fpchawaii.org and thevinehawaii.org. You can also listen to First Pres sermons on most major podcast services, and you can see them on YouTube. Good news, First Pres is back to worshiping in person. No sign-up necessary, just come. Services are Sunday mornings at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. at the Ko'olau campus. You can also watch the live stream online at fpchawaii.org and thevinehawaii.org. Remember, when you visit the First Pres website, Sign up for emails for links to sermons, daily devotionals, church news and updates, and lots more. And as always, if there's anything First Pres can do for you, just reach out through the website or call 808-532-1111. For Senior Pastor Dan Chan and the entire staff at First Pres, I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time, God bless you, stay safe, and thank you for listening. This sermon podcast is copyright 2022 and produced by the media ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu.